Welcome to another episode of Roots of Faith. Again, my name is Wesley. Peace and blessings to everyone today. So, in case you may have been living under a rock, we've had a bit of a pretty crazy week. Uh, so, within this past week, we've seen pretty much our capital go up in flames. People really just went crazy. And so I felt that in order to really just, I felt I needed to just kind of address a few things and actually really call some important conversations with my fellow Christians and believers because as we look at Facebook, because we all know Facebook is the wealth of truth and knowledge and what everyone wants to be listening to and getting all their political opinions from. So I've seen a lot of scary things on Facebook. I'm very much concerned with our country and with especially evangelical Christianity in general. So I felt instead of Jumping into our new series on the ordinances and sacraments of the church, which I've been really excited to do for a while, but uh, the, outside of just having so much information that I didn't feel prepared to share with today, I felt the very need to address the importance of how we as Christians live as citizens in this world and as the kingdom and yet avoid falling into cultic habits that seem to be surrounding much of the behavior of conservative Christianity today. So as we discuss the different things that happened this week, I'll pull one article coming out of a news journal that I came across talked about in the crowd of insurrections who seized the US Capitol on Wednesday Christian imagery was rife alongside Confederate flags white supremacist symbols protesters shouldered crosses waved Jesus save signs and hung oversized Jesus 2020 banners one rioter who made it inside the building carried a Christian flag outside the National Mall people chanted Christ is King as a reporter Jack Jenkins noted some in the crowd referred to the neo-fascist Proud Boys as God's Warriors and this comes from an article called God have mercy on and help us all from the Atlantic News Journal so why I felt the need to address this another article that was written and posted to events prior to this about the Jericho March from professor and scholar Michael Horton of Westminster Seminary wrote a very important or a very well written article that I think should be a must read for everyone it's got in the link descriptions the links in the description of the video below uh, what we're witnessing on the national stage right now is disgraceful. In fact, the only word for it 
is blasphemy. The sacrilege not of secularists marching on Washington to take away religious freedom, but of evangelicals marching on Washington to perpetuate a cult. We might have ignored this as a spectacle, a performance by a handful of voices in opposition to the constitutional system of our republic, but I feel conscience-bound as a minister of the word to warn against what can only be considered a heresy. Indeed, a cult within a certain segment of evangelicalism, it has arisen over many decades and will no doubt around for many more to come. So the words of his article in his opening definitely really resonated with how I've been feeling this week. Now I'm not one who tries to jump into politics about five, six years ago. I oftentimes went headlong right into the political spectrum of this is why this and spell conspiracy theories left and right. And I've since then come to a point in which I feel that is not only damaging to my personal relationships, but also as an emissary and citizen of the kingdom, damaging to the entire kingdom of God. Uh, looking at just the news and everything surrounding these articles, uh, people have jumped right off into conspiracy theories, talking about how as this is all just a ploy by such and such side that Antifa is behind it, that this person's to blame, these are these proofs and photoshopped pictures all over the internet. Uh, this is obviously why it wasn't us and why you're thinking crazy things. They're just trying to paint us as the villains. And it's definitely time that we need to take some reflective pause in this moment and re-reflect on where our not only political affiliations are leading us, but how we've let that control our spiritual understanding and our spiritual domain of how we see the kingdom of God upon this earth. Albert Moeller also spoke into this. He's the president of Southern Baptist Seminary in Kentucky who said, we are undoubtedly in an agonizing moment in which evangelical Christians who supported Donald Trump now find ourselves in the position of being tremendously embarrassed by this most recent behavior. And I'm following right back into that article I mentioned previously by Horton. While worrying about the secularists outside, many of us have failed to reckon the secularization right under our noses as the rich cuisine of biblical faith is traded for a mess of pop culture stew. This idolatry inhibits the church's work of evangelism in a myriad of ways. Like many people post the events on Wednesday, Thursday morning, I took a look at the images and the whole, as the flames died down, the news and everything that had happened. And of course, I put my own response in here 
about talk in which I was talking about how many people among the rioters were carrying Jesus save signs and acting against the character of Christ and if you are a person who's confused by this you're not alone it is important to know that this is not the Jesus of the Bible and we should not let our political influence or religion or politics influence our religion as followers of the Messiah we must live above this I piggyback off a comment one of my friends and fellow pastors down in Wilkesbury wrote in his message or blog about this on his from his church in Wilkesbury you might have seen Christian symbols or the name of Jesus repeatedly intertwined into yesterday's madness let me be unbelievably clear this is not the Jesus of the Bible Jesus clearly said my kingdom is not of this world Jesus is not a Republican Jesus is not a Democrat Jesus is not a libertarian and Jesus is not a confederate we are all called faithfully to live like Jesus now while also having hope that this life is not all that we live for Jesus has promised to one day come back and set up his kingdom and right all along until then followers of Jesus do not forget our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ let's make sure that our attitudes actions words posts and comments actually present Jesus well and show the beauty and love of this gospel in a time of such awful brokenness and violent division of course this Sunday morning we also conversated about this in church uh, my pastor spoke on how when he who also cares not to get involved in politics talks about the fact that it's okay to just bow out as many friends of his told him that they deleted their Facebook pages and they they couldn't even be on social media anymore because of all the hatred and everything he encouraged people it's okay to stay to be silent to back away from the madness because guess what when you're on social media no one really understands what you're saying everything's taken in a negative light you're obviously yelling at someone when you try to put forth your opinions and beat them down I mean be honest with yourself when someone makes a comment on your thread that's not like awesome or way to go dude it's more of a and they're putting in their opinion on their on their spin of what you're saying you take offense to it don't you so a lot of times as the old saying goes if you don't have anything nice say nothing at all at this point we need to live it more in the reflections of who Christ is and not be the one who goes forth spewing hate so what about those of us who are living for the kingdom and how should we put that kingdom lens into our own current direction of how our country is going and how we as believers should be acting within the greater communities that we're involved in 
So I wanted to take a backtrack since so many people seem to have understood that our purpose as Christians is to put someone who's going to push our ideas forward into Congress, who's going to uh, be the champion of Christians, who's going to restore our nation back to the people of God, back to a godly country. And so obviously Jesus Christ ordained Trump to bring this into fruition and therefore all these uh, negative, these theory, these conspiracies by the left to bring that down because they were going to control the election. I heard this back in July from pastors and other uh, podcasters who I just haven't listened to since because of their erroneous theories that they were just spilling out such hatred that I couldn't stand to sit there and listen with them. So I want to take a look at the attitude of the kingdom that the first century church had, how they dealt with a government that did not favor their own visions or their own understanding of who God is, and instead how they reacted within their own Christian culture, within their own secular jobs and their own secular society. So we're going to start right in the story of the Jesus movement, right in Acts 1, as the evangelist St. Luke writes to Theophilus, and Theophilus, it's debated whether it's an actual person or if it's a group of people being addressed as those who are learners. So, starting in Acts 1, we're going to go through verses 1 through 8. I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen to same apostles also after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them over 40 day period and spoke about the matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for my, what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when the Lord had, so when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, you are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. So, how did the apostles take the understanding of kingdom citizens in their own nation? They were expecting a messianic reign. They were expecting Jesus to sit on the throne of David. But what did he say? Instead, these events aren't your concern. So instead of trying to predict when the rapture is going to happen, when God's going to come back, when the end of the world's, and talking about all these conspiracies about how 
this sickness and that sickness. These are all signs of the end times, and we're living in the end times, so therefore we got to bunker down, build up our forts, go live in the mountains, and wait out the destruction of the world until Jesus comes and reigns. Maybe instead we should do exactly what Jesus told the apostles to do, to stand by patiently until they hear his call, until their command of going forth as evangelists, as going forth as those people who are going to go preach the gospel, to bring the good news of salvation, to say, hey, guess what? Yes, the kingdom is coming. Guess what? There's great news that our Lord reigns in heaven and that we, as followers of him, don't have to worry about how the pressure that the world is pushing on us, but how we as believers are going to go forth and be the change in the world. We are going to live out the commands of God. We are going to act as God himself upon this earth. Heaven is going to meet earth through the very actions of what we are doing. Because we do not know what truths about the kingdom Messiah spoke of while he was there 40 days with his apostles. But what we do know is that we see a desire to come. For centuries prior to this, Jews have expected this to be the purpose of the Messiah, to restore the kingdom. And of course, we today are desiring God's sovereign rule. And it's obvious that many evangelicals have placed this on Trump. But as we continue to the heart of today's study, I want to reflect on what Jesus said in verses 7 and 8, where he said to them, The Father is the only one who has the authority to decide the dates and times. These things are not for you, but the Holy Spirit will come to you. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the earth. That is what you, my disciples, are called to do. Don't keep telling people because this person's in government, we're going to usher in a kingdom of justice. Or because these people are taking over the government, we are going to be persecuted, we're going to be destroyed, and oh, please, Jesus, come save us, and we need to escape this earth. We need to be the light to the earth. Our goal shouldn't be to how fast can we get to heaven, but how are we going to live as heaven on earth? So I'm going to move on to what the Apostle Paul quote wrote about how we are going to, as believers, live in a corrupt government, in a nation, in a fallen world, what are we as believers to do? He tells them in verse 13, or chapter 13 of Romans, starting in verse 1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, 
and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For a government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for these reasons, you pay taxes, since the authorities of God's public servants continually attending these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those who you owe tolls, respect to those who you owe respect, and honor to those who you owe honor. So what does this mean for us? First, it's important to put it into a cultural context. Paul was writing this during the reign of Emperor Nero. I'm going to pull a quote from the ESV Archaeological Bible on what the cultural context of how Paul was writing this. At the time Roman was written, near the beginning of Nero's reign, Paul may have shared the hopes of many in the Roman Empire that the new ruler would be more benevolent and tolerant than his predecessor. Claudius, although Paul has directly suffered from governing authorities in this course of his mission, he makes a careful statement of loyalty hoping the new imperial government will not turn its power against the church. A few years later, people in Caesar's household in Rome will become believers. We can see this in Philippians 4.22. So it is possible that when this epistle was written, there was already members of the imperial entourage in the church. Also from another commentary by Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown in the content commentary on the whole Bible. It is of magistry in general, considering as a divine ordinance that this is spoken. And the statement applies equally to all forms of government. From an unchecked despotism, such as flourished when it was written under the Emperor Nero, to a pure democracy, the inalienable right of all subjects to endeavor to alter or improve the form of government under which they live is left untouched here. But since Christians were constantly charged with turning the world upside down, and since there certainly were elements enough in Christianity of moral social revolution to give plausibility to the charge, a tempt noble spirits crushed under misgovernment to take and redress it into their own hands, it was of special importance that the pacific, submissive, loyal spirit of those Christians who resided at the great seat of the political power should furnish a visible refutation of this charge. Examples, the Gospel of Luke itself, I was reading his second letter, where the apostles are saying, Jesus, it's now the time you're going to bring the sword and crush Rome, and we're going to live as 
these kings and rulers and Israel is going to return to the glory of Solomon and he says that's not your concern now in fact the entire gospel of Luke Jesus is teaching a subversive kingdom an upside down kingdom where the first are last and the last are first you want to be great in the kingdom of God do something for someone else don't build yourself up like the pagans do, but live as someone who is looking towards the future, who is going to bring light to the people around them, who is not going to hold and lord their position over someone, but yet in the midst of darkness, in the midst of persecution, are going to draw attention not on themselves, but on the glory of God. We have books upon books of people with the names of saints who tell of how that story of God's glory was brought through their persecution, through their suffering, through their death. In fact, we even know, read it in church tradition of Paul, shortly after the time he's writing this book of Romans, being beheaded by the very people he's telling to submit to. In fact, what about the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew 5, 1 through 12, when he saw the crowds and he went up the mountain after he sat down with his disciples, they came to him and he began to teach them by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for, their, for righteousness and for the kingdom of heaven belong to them. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. Matthew 5, 1-12 So, I know a lot of you are saying, yeah, I get it, I get it, it was bad then, but what if the government is wicked? What would I? What should I do if we were living in the era of the Nazis? There's an old rule of, no matter once you talk about something long enough, Nazis are eventually going to come into the conversation. So what about the Nazis at the door? What about overthrowing tyrants? What about the American Revolution? Was the, were those all not rightly fought areas in which we needed to overthrow tyranny? And the answer is. Yes, and those were done on a political front, not saying we believe that God has put this man here because he is going to save us. We're putting our faith in a human being to be God on earth. That's what Rome did. In fact, there the reason one of the major reasons why Christianity is no longer a sect of Jude of Judaism was the very fact that the early Christians in the first second in the second century did not want 
to put the political efforts of their faith. They were not going to side with the Bar Kokhba revolts in Jerusalem in 70 AD. They were not going to say, hey, we are going to overthrow Rome for the glory of Yahweh. Guess what? That put a whole wedge between Jews and Christians for centuries because Christians would not take a political front. The fact is, our forefathers did not see the region of politics being the purpose of Christianity. The purpose of Christianity was to live counterculturally to the Roman world, not overthrow it and upstate and put our own version of God in front of people. In fact, we backtrack to what Paul was saying in chapter 13 with Romans 12, 9 through 21, where he says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honoring one another. Do not lag in zeal. Be enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in suffering. Persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse. Rejoice with who, those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Consider what is good before all people, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In fact, that very message reflects what Jesus was saying in Matthew 5, where he said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled by the one people. Thrown and trampled by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Guys, Christianity is coming to a crossroads where we're no longer being found by our faith and our actions but yet we are being defined by our political associations. We are saying, I am a Republican first, not a Christian first. We are saying what my political affiliations have brought me to, where I can stand shoulder and shoulder with a Nazi 
and with an anarchist for the same cause to accomplish the gospel? It's absurd to even think of. But yet we're doing the very thing because we have not given our own position the authority that it needs. We have decided that our own comforts, our own desires are more important than that of what God has called us to do. We are losing our salt in our communities. We are no longer standing as a light within our nation. In fact, we are becoming the pro very problem that we fight to destroy. We are becoming the evil and the hatred that turns people to hell. How are we going to go forth from this? By returning back to the heart of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I just want to close in prayer today and just ask our Father to move us forth from the decisions that we have been making and challenge you to reflect on your own heart and reconsider some of the things you are saying. Some of the memes you are posting on Facebook, the information that you are saying, hey, this is fact because someone who someone knows reposted this, so I'm going to copy and paste this to my Facebook profile and post that to tell you, hey, here's the true news that the media is trying to suppress on you. No, it's time to say enough with the political sphere. They let them fight amongst themselves. Let's start making a difference because we are going to be the gospel, be the light to the people around us and influence those who are with us who are going to go forth with the knowledge of God and they're going to influence the state government. And the state government is going to influence the national government because we have started to say, no, we're not going to yell and challenge the people in authority. We are going to love the ones who we are around. We're going to pray not only for Trump, but we're going to pray for Biden because he's the one sitting in going to be sitting in authority. We are. We should be always praying for our leaders. I pray just as much for Trump as I did for Obama. And guess what? I didn't really like either one of them. I'll just put my cards on the table. I was I voted Trump only in 2016 because I didn't want Hillary and I put myself in a very big political sphere deciding okay well I'm gonna spit the conservatives these are areas of my life that I have come and I have repented of and yes they are still stumbling blocks that I struggle with on a daily basis thankfully I have a loving wife who knows I'm an idiot and still loves me anyway and is gracious in her correction of when I go off the wall and let my adrenaline take control of my mouth and we need to be that for each other we need to be that for our communities we need to be that for our government officials so gracious and holy father give us wisdom to discover you the intelligence to understand you Father, give us the diligence to seek after you, the patience to wait for you, the eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate on you, 
and a life to proclaim you through the power and the spirit of Jesus our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So, as always, if you haven't post, if you haven't followed me on Facebook with the Roots of Faith, or subscribed, or liked, or favorited our podcasts, or subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do help support uh, and get the words out. I hope that what I'm saying is helping you guys move forward in your lives to really get back to the roots of the gospel, the roots of our faith as believers in Jesus, the Messiah, the King of the world. So if this video is helpful or if you found good truth in it or you know someone who really needs to hear encouragement in this time of year or you felt convicted and guess what, you're taking it to heart and you wanna let other people know how to do the same or to encourage them to do the same or just say, hey, look at this crazy guy. Uh, tell me what you think of him. Please like, share, and subscribe. So, as always, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May his countenance be ever before you. And may he give you his perfect peace. Go in Christ and go in grace. And stay rooted in your faith. Shalom.